Yeah, do your thing. Hi, everybody. I'm Chris Mastelow. Welcome to Hexless Squad number 12. Take one. Um, <laughs> that's, my, that's my impression. <laughs> it's actually yeah. 12 goals. The 12 gold of the 12. Zoo, zoo. Uh, yeah, it's pretty accurate. Take it away. <laughs> yeah, that's what you sound like. Hey everybody, welcome to Exosquad Goals, the Exosquadcast podcast. I'm Chris Mastalone. I'm Ryan Hardy. And I'm Chris Farentino. And we are going to talk about episode 12 of season 1 of Exosquad, Betrayal. Betrayal! <laughs> the Betrayal. This is, uh, you know, the, the Neo-Sapien Traitor comes into play here. <laughs> but that that's a callback. Um, yeah, that's, this is like a big episode. It's, like, it's the penultimate uh, episode in season one where i mean they're setting up the dominoes to get knocked down in 13 before we get into it i just want to say this episode was written by bob forward who has an amazing name um especially in the age of internet browsers you guys might know some of his other work aside from uh, he only wrote i believe it was two episodes of exo squad he worked on the embassy which is in season two and uh, this episode betrayal into the heart of darkness three but he did a lot of other work. He worked on such shows as Captain Planet and the Planeteers. Ruled. The Legend of the Zelda show. That show is awesome. Yeah. Oh, excuse me, princess. <laughs> Brave Star. The, the not good book Ghostbusters. He was on the Rambo cartoon. Oh, yeah. Uh, Biker Mice from Mars. Yeah, Biker Mice from Mars and Sonic the Hedgehog, G.I. Joe. I mean, and my personal favorite, the Super Mario Brothers Super Show <laughs> with Captain Lou Albano. Is that the one with the, the, the live, with the people, the guys in the studio and then... Yeah, yeah, Captain Lou Albano with the uh, rubber bands on his face and he's like, hey, Luigi, hey, Mario, I guess we gotta go to the Forbidden Zone and they're like, is that a strip club? I don't know. I uh, I really liked the animated part of that show. I yeah, remember right? being awesome. It was like yeah. Mario. It was like Mario three era two. So it had like the Koopa kids and stuff. Yeah, that was yeah. that show was sweet. The Hammer Bros with the Mario Brothers, yeah. and we here to say, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that one. So yeah. th- I mean, this guy had a really. It, this was kind of the. It looks like sort of mid career. He's still working actually. He's looks like he just did an episode of Transformers Rescue Bots. Oh, that's sweet. And, Wolf- and Wolverine and the X Men in two thousand eight. So, but this is like that's. You see this a lot with the show. It seems like they had a whole lot of really good young talent either on their way up or just at their start. And I think it really, I don't know, helped them do kind of things that weren't being done at that time. And like, because, you know, I mean, we're all we're all young and stupid. Um, you know, when you're young and trying to do this stuff, you, you know, you'll try things that people who have been around and kind of know the routine sometimes won't. I feel like that really helped the show a lot. Yeah, dude. Um I also think it's a ballsy move to get someone who's like not like part of the staff to write the penultimate episode. That's a sign of some real, real gift, and it shows. This episode's sweet. No, seriously, and I mean, I think that's a good time to get into it. What do you guys think of this one? Uh, it, it's it's really intense. Like it's a like even for a show that like kind of thrives on intensity. Like this is this is an unusually intense episode. I feel like this this episode and like the surrounding ones do a really good job of upping the stakes. This is like a, I mean, we'll get into 13 after this, but this is a pretty tight 13 episodes. As like, really as tight a 13, I guess. <laughs> it sounds like a gross yeah. thing to say. Um, but really, like a really great uh, group of episodes, these first 13 episodes, they're really well put together and structured and organized. You can really see everything coming together and that everything gets a little bit more serious, a little bit, say darker, but like more consequential as it goes on. And 
this is i mean this is another really good one that builds off of the last one like they've all been doing i want to especially call out the scene where they reveal that marsala is the uh was the leader of the rebellion and then winfield is one of the exo pilots like i feel like that's that's the kind of move you're only you can only do in a show that's tight like exo squad like has all that stuff planned out in advance. And to do it this late into it, too, yeah. is, like, pretty stunning. And those are, like, afterthoughts to the fact that Marsala was, like, not only a member of the Rebellion, but, like, the leader of the Rebellion. Like, Right. Yeah. yeah. Also, it was Phaeton who sold him out to uh, Winfield back in the day. So, yeah. role reversals all around. I mean, yeah. something as simple as in episode one, they're joyriding in the canyons near Olympus Mons, and JT says something to the effect of, like, We'll be back someday. In these episodes, he's like, well, we came back. And to plant that in episode one, wait, tw- basically 12 episodes, and then sort of drop that, that knowledge that, hey, we're here, we foreshadowed this. I mean, that's unreal, you know, the planning. So I, I'm curious to know whether they had this, if they did, like, basically, if they had a whole season one planned out and then pushed forward or what the process was. You know, it's a it's very interesting thing structurally. Yeah, it's definitely... It's one of the more complete thoughts ever I've ever seen in animation. Like you can, if it ended at season one, it would be like that was like a really awesome, like complete work of art. No, I really like the way you said it too. It is a complete thought. It is a full. It's not just you know the next episode they're off in on Venus again, you know, fighting a local battle. You know, it's it's very thoughtful and very well put together it reminds me a lot of what you, the trend you see in modern tv where you know well they'll be like we have a 10 episode season everything is meticulously planned no waste in motion and then you know we'll go on to another season rather than doing 25 episodes a season and having like 10 filler episodes yeah it's a i mean it's a product of the shorter season it's also like the idea of telling all full story in 10 parts versus 10 full stories truth yeah or 25, you know, like network schedules. I think they still they still do it, but back in the day, it's like, you're going to do 22 episodes. Like, you ask those people, they're like, yeah, we can't make them all, we can't make them all good. Like, you just, it's just too much work and too little time. Yeah, and like, also, like, for the sake of, like, children's television, like, because it's, like, kids don't watch it, like, ser- like serialization is still, like, a relatively new thing for it. Most of the time, like, everything resets at the next episode. Like, nothing has ever changed. In Exo Squad, like, Chris was saying, like, the first shot of the first scene from, like, Phaeton receiving the key to the city, to them being Olympus Mons, like all of that comes back around at the end. Yeah. No, for real. And I mean, you know, sometimes you like to, th- I don't know, it's like sometimes you like to think of this, like the shitty version of something. And if it was like shitty Exo Squad, every episode would be Winfield being like, this is the mission for today. And then they'd go do the mission, they'd come back, there'd be like a quip at the end, and it would reset in the Resolute or on IO or something. And they've been stuck on Mars against their will. That's great, you know? It gives it more flexibility and feels more real and lived in. There are, like, distinct, like, comic book-style multi-episode arcs in this show, too. Like, most of the shows are, like, two to three-parters. The Veil of Darkness, the you know, the rise of, and fall of the Neo-Sapien Empire, and they all have these great names, and you can see they were sort of these uh, multi-episode thoughts kind of forming a full story, which is great. Yeah. Anyway, let's get a little into the... Uh, what happened in this episode? Because, I mean, we've been kind of talking about how amazing it is and how great it is, but, like... <laughs> right. Um, so, so yeah. right. So, last time, um, uh, Marsala turned on De Leon, and we begin this episode with, really, just a great action battle sequence. And there's this, if you remember, there's this, like, lady E-frame pilot who, like, 
hook lines a missile and redirects it into a, a neo e-frame which is amazing oh yeah yeah she hammer throws that shit <laughs> so like weston grabs the escape pod that winfield's on and they head back to jupiter jt torres who's wearing some really killer uh horse riding slash nazi pants <laughs> yeah uh, <laughs> she's like a world war one uh commandant or something like that like she got those big pantaloons going yes <laughs> never noticed before and bronski are all trying to fix their frames marsala shows back up and brings them back to kind of as a trap he brings them as kidnapping victims <laughs> what do you ever call them back to phaeton greetings lieutenant marsh you and able squad have caused me a great deal of trouble in your time fortunately your only logical member has seen the wisdom of ending your futile but annoying attacks Marcella, how could you have done this? Turned against your friends, your squad, and me. Your battle is lost. To continue fighting makes no sense. As for emotional ties, kindly spare me the absurdity. You and your kind are Terran. I am Neo-Sapien. For you, I have nothing but contempt. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like his, his offer. It's like when a cat brings back a, uh, a dead bird. It's like, eh, eh? Yeah, so it did. Yeah, and uh, to his credit, Phaeton's very dubious that Marcel has changed sides. Yeah, yeah, um, but uh, and has him go through a lot of tests. But this opens up one of my favorite things about Neo Sapiens that I just noticed is that like their style of like negotiation has no persuasion. It's just statements of facts. There's no like they don't put any like razzle dazzle when they're when they're pitching something. Like Marcel's like I'm on your side, and then Phaeton's like, well. I don't want you to tell everybody about me betraying you. Maybe I should just kill you now. That would be easier. And Marsala's like, no, that's illogical. I'm too useful. Marsala, you betrayed your companions, surrendering one of them and yourself to my troops. Why? You do not approve? I question your motives. A Neo-Sapien following one path does not change it readily. However, it does happen, as you will remember. Yes, but that was 50 years ago. We Neo-Sapiens have long lives and longer memories. That episode is not one which I would care to have generally known. Shall I have you killed? A waste. I am a skilled soldier. But why are you suddenly interested in joining my forces? As you realized 50 years ago, I have now come to realize. The side for which I've been fighting cannot win. We Neo-Sapiens are stronger, faster, more intelligent than humans. Our only weakness has been our limited numbers. There's no, <laughs> there's no hustle. There's no, like, uh, like, do me a solid. They're just stating facts. Like, there's no persuasion in it at all. Yeah. Yeah, I wonder, I wonder if they had, like, a, that written out, like, a rule of, like, what Neo-Sapiens do and don't do. Yeah. You know? Yeah, like, in, in the production Bible, if they were, like, they don't use contractions, Right, everything's set out in a very full right. sentence way, um, which is a nonsense sentence, which I I've just failed every teacher I've ever had saying that. You know, it's like the, like that thing where they're not creative, but they're super good at making the things that already are there. Like the fleet they make is amazing, but it's just another fleet. It's it doesn't have cloaking devices or anything crazy that the pirates have. Yeah, you know, it's just it's just a really good version of what was already there. Yeah, yeah. So so just going back to further in the episode, so Winfield gets back to the fleet and takes command, and Furlong gets, I assume, thrown into space jail. Attention, bridge. The captain of the Exo Carrier Dominion is hereby relieved of command. What? 
By, by whose authority? By my authority, Captain. Winfield, you. Just give me an excuse, you mutinous piece of scum, and I'll send your head to Triton. Put this man in the brig. And then, so, like, they're all there, and Marcella gives this really long monologue about how humans treat Neo-Sapiens, which makes Nero want to cry. Marcella, how can you do this? After all we've been through. Been through? Been through? You Terrans have never seen your broodmates sold, beaten, mistreated, treated as cattle and worse, created as slaves, but with a will to be free, forced to work, to suffer, to die in horrible conditions for Terran greed, denied even the right to speak up against such tyranny. This is what I've been through. Speak not to me of loyalty. I am a Neo-Sapien, created by Terrans, feared by Terrans, abused by Terrans, but no more! JT is objected to, like, a brain scan where he has some visions. For people who have seen Rogue One and haven't seen Exosquad, which, again, why are you listening to this? <laughs> um, it, it's it's kind of like when they put that giant squid thing on the dude from uh, The Night Of... They put that giant squid monster on his head and it makes him tell the truth. It, it'll tell the tr- you know, show people what you think, but it might kill you or drive you insane, as Forrest Whitaker would say. He sucked in that movie. I'm sorry. He really didn't. He, I don't know. It seems like there was a lot of cut out. We, I mean, we could talk about this could be a different podcast. Yeah, yeah. That, that's going to be the bonus episode on the Patreon. Welcome back to the Whitacast, the all Forrest Whitaker podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Chris Mastalone. I'm Forrest Whitaker. And I have a lazy eye. We should just do sub podcasts in our middle of our podcast. Yeah, right. So we get, wait, so, all right. So we get two important flashbacks. We get Marcella has a, uh, Phaeton have a flashback where we see that Marcella was the leader of the revolution here. Forward, my fellow Neo Sapiens, for justice, for our freedom. All right, Sape, take us to the leader of this rebellion. Now! Yes, that seems excellent. Marsala's right. And then we have JT thinking about uh, Alice Nareddy, right? Really, like, intensely. This is glory. The speed. The power. The freedom of Ephraim flight. But with the glory comes responsibility. How many good men and women have died through my orders? I can but protect my own able squad. Yeah, and he's giving a monologue too where he's sort of talking about the freedom of flight and all these things and the responsibilities that come with it. And they, you know, they do the the cartoon thing where you see them holding hands and much like in a movie, if someone coughs in the second act, you know, they have lung cancer, you know, if they're holding hands, you know, what's up. Yeah. So they had like a little thingy dingy. It's strange because like, like he mentions all the time, like, like multiple times in that monologue, like all the people I lost and everyone who's gone and like, really, only Naredi has died. Like everyone else has made it. Like, <laughs> like he's only had in like 
Despite, like, insurmountable odds, he's only lost, like, one person. Like, that's crazy. I'd like to think that they were fighting the pirates, like, in some prequel version. Or there was some, there was something where they have had previous battle experience. Just seems like they're all rookies, kind of, <laughs> otherwise, you know? I mean, just in the way it's all made, it, you get the sense that the guys like Bronski and Torres and all that, you know, Maggie, have been there and been through something before, but there's you know, guys like Takagi, who obviously aren't super new, but they just seem like they haven't seen any action at all. So I don't, you know, makes you wonder if there was like kind of a pirate war that went on or something like that. But well, like you know, the thing in movies where like the one person who's been in the are the fight the longest has like a special outfit. Yeah, you know, <laughs> like the rookies all come in wearing like just green head to toe, but then like the the guy that's or girl that's been in the fight for the longest is like, you know, got like special weapons it's like they all have special outfits it just makes me think that they're all like a a special unit who's done other stuff yeah yeah special haircuts so marcella passes all the tests and the the very last test which is always a brilliant one which is phaeton gives him the gun to execute them which i always think is a bad idea yeah prove your loyalty here's the gun and go shoot them i am convinced that lieutenant marsh believes you a traitor there is a final test You are prepared to carry out that termination without hesitation. Guards, line them up for execution. Do it! Exactly. So he doesn't. He shoots some of the Neo-Sapiens. They turn the tides, and that's basically how it ends. What else happens? At the end, they're sort of standing there. They have Phaeton as their hostage, and they're like, oh, we're about to get some more company. And it's setting up for, you know, the next episode to be like, directly right from that shot going on you know so it's it's a really good episode it's it's a very tight action-packed episode it's good too one of the things i like about it is like a lot of the phaeton marsala stuff is largely dialogue driven but all of the uh all of the uh like takagi west and stuff is super action oriented so it makes it strikes like a nice balance yeah one oh yeah one thing too is that uh Kaz and Weston decide they're going to go back and rescue JT and the squad. Admiral, permission to speak? Granted. Sir, Able Squad is still marooned on Mars, and, well, you've got a full crew here, and, and Kaz and me, we just be excess cargo. But there's little chance they're still alive, Lieutenant. It's our squad, sir. They'd do it for us. I can spare one scout ship. Aye, aye, aye Admiral. Admiral. Thank you. One thing I think that deepens it a lot is the fact if you if you have this understanding that Phaeton and Marcel are like brothers. I don't know that it's explicitly said in the show so far. I think I saw it on one of those like oh. visual trading card kind of things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The uh, that they used to play at the end. Yeah. But if you think about that, and it sort of really would deepen that relationship in a way. Yeah. To make you think like, oh, this is his brother coming back and saying like you know, when I've seen the error, like I've seen the error of my ways, which is believable or the fact he doesn't want to kill the Neo Sabians to be is very believable. Yeah. But I don't think that's explicitly said in the show, but it's almost too bad because it's, uh, I think it really deepens it. No, for real. It, I mean, if it's, you know, if they basically go early on and it wouldn't, and it wouldn't have taken too much. It could have been like a Charles McKenna style news report, like, you know, governor general Phaeton almost assassinated on earth. And Marcella's like, yeah, that's my brother. And that's basically it, you know? Uh, but yeah, like you said, that makes it a much more impactful relationship. And the fact of the betrayal that Phaeton had on him, where he's basically just sold him out immediately. And 
I love the little touch of basically putting a young, fit Winfield in a uh, early exo frame, and just you know, just tying it all together on all these fronts. You know. Yeah, I I also think that like it. I think it does a good job of making you feel less bad for Phaeton because like he wanted to be the. It leaves open the possibility that he wanted to run the rebellion and was willing to sell out Marsala, and that makes him like a much less sympathetic character. I would argue. Yeah, I mean, I mean it, uh, it seems very much like you ever see the old like Ben Hur and a lot of those fifties, uh, I guess early sixties uh, Bible movies. Yeah, that they did, and they always had these like very you know brother on brother, and especially right. Ben Hur because I saw the shitty remake recently. Uh, it's just not, not a good movie. Um, we got it as a, to watch a bad movie, but no, no, no. even then we were like, not, not boo you guys, boo that movie. Oh yeah, no, for real. You know, the one thing that it kind of reminds me of is like. You know, again, it's like one of the basic, uh, the, one of the conflicts that always works is brother with brother, you know, because there's no bond deeper. And to betray that, I mean, it also, like you said, it sets up Phaeton, and this is a trait of his going forward, that he is jealous and he wants to secure power for himself. He doesn't care about anyone else. And Marsala is like the closest thing he has to someone who understands him as his brother. And that relationship is just so dead after this episode yeah never coming back what do you guys think about the uh, sort of development of maggie and takagi's relationship a bit more i mean she gave him a peck on the cheek during the mutiny or not mutiny the uh recruitment by marcus but they're pushing it through here you know and do you think that's like a sort of a good choice to sort of add a romance element into it or do you think it's kind of like you know kind of hard to do because it's a kid you know it's a kid's cartoon so you can't go too far into it Ah, see, see, I don't think I don't think Maggie sees him as romantic. Like, I think she sees him as like a kid brother, and Kaz like misreads it. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's I have I have a lot of complicated thoughts on it. Like, one, I don't think it should be them. I I love the idea of having there being like a romantic relationship, or not even romantic, but because I don't like the idea of them like <laughs> it's like a workplace drama where like they all date each other. Like, hey, JD, mind if I go with your ex? <laughs> but I like the closeness of it. I like the sort of intimacy of it, even though I don't like it with those two. Like, I like the idea of, um, I don't know, like I've been watching The West Wing a lot recently, and like Toby and CJ have this kind of kind of thing, but it's not a relationship, but they have a sort of, you know, jokey kind of flirtatious thing going on, which which is nice, but it's nice that it's not also a relationship. They're like work married, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. So I, so I like that. I like that it sort of humanizes them a little bit to that. But I don't buy them as a couple, I guess is what I'm saying. I mean, I like, I like the, <laughs> uh, the moment where in the last episode, she, you know, she kind of takes the lead and grabs his hand is really good. You know what I mean? Sort of that, like, he's this crazy kid who's going through all this sort of stuff. And she's like, we've got this. Yeah, I mean, it is hard to tell how the, the age difference, too. Oh, yeah. You know, it's like, uh, you're so old. And she's like... 23 yeah. and he's she's like 30 and he's like 19 or 20 right i you know? thought she was older and like marsh was older yeah now you see it and you're like and he was younger you know yeah because she's a lieutenant as well yeah like he should have a crush on nara and nara should have a crush on marcella that she could never consummate i i always i was always hoping for a wolf bronski rita torres like thing i thought that would be that was destiny oh uh, you know they had like a dirty night <laughs> <laughs> just wasted like things yeah, got out of mexico <laughs> things got out of hand <laughs> like they don't talk about it it's never said but you know what yeah. happened everyone in the squad like, knows like yeah there's a hotel room that's just destroyed <laughs> <laughs> rita and the wolf <laughs> yeah god that <laughs> tonight we dine on wolf. 
Well, I mean, you're, you're giving away his like special move there. But, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. There's only one way Wolf Bronski does it. Intoxicated. Everyone's got a finishing move. <laughs> yeah, God. Good old Wolf Bronski, man. The best, man. It is interesting, too, as you see... Uh, like, in the early episodes, when you first presented Wolf, with Wolf Bronski, he's kind of like the super badass guy. And you think, like, he is, like, the secret weapon of the squad. I think in this episode, it kind of shows... His character, because when JT is getting his mind uh, mind sucked or whatever, Wolf's just like, oh, you can't do that, and it like, gets shot. You know, but he's kind of okay after it. But it, I don't know, it, it, it kind of strikes me as like, I think they're going to start doing this thing where you sort of realize that Wolf isn't as great as, you know, you kind of get that first impression of. I mean, he's awesome. And an amazing character, but he's not like the best pilot. Yeah, he's, he's, he's just like a grunt, right? Like, he's just like... He's also like he's the machine gun guy, right? Like he's not he's not super finesse. He's not like high. Uh, he's not like uh, a skill player. He just like he lays he lays he lays down the damage, right? Like he blows crap up. Yeah, he's an offensive lineman. Yeah, that's a very good way to think of it. Uh, also, uh, speaking of people who who uh, who lay it all on the line. Oh, we got to talk about Sandusky. Sandusky, yes. <laughs> oh, my God, yes. R.I.P. You the MVP, dog. Uh, so, so, dur- yeah. <laughs> so during the battle, uh, if you haven't seen the episode, again, why, why are you listening to this podcast? Um, Stop listening. But, uh, if, uh, if you, so, so Sandusky is one of the E-frame pilots. Uh, he has a mustache, and he flies like one of the De Leon frames. And he's blowing away these fighters, and then his ships hit. And he's talking to Winfield. Winfield's like, get out of there, Sandusky. And Sandusky's like... He's like, you know, sorry, Captain. No can do. I guess you'll have to court-martial me. Oh, yeah. And fucking self-destructs his frame. Weapons out! Life support gone! Pull out, Sandusky, that way! Sorry, no can do, Admiral. You'll have to court-martial me! I won't forget. And you see, like the 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 spark that means like a thought went through, and then the frame blows up, and it's so. And Sandusky's dead. He's so dead. He is no longer alive. Like on screen, and uh, yeah. And Winfield like rips away a tear and is like, "I won't forget you, Sandusky." And neither will I. Neither, neither should anyone. Let's just go back for a second and talk about his mustache. Oh my okay, God. it's so because he has the best mustache in the fucking show. <laughs> like and his and his golden doodle haircut. Oh. Yeah, I mean he is rocking it. I'm I'm I've been sad about some characters that have bit it, but you know, man, Sandusky. I want to know about like his squad and like their hairdresser. I, I want I want to meet the other squads. Like I want to get to know like the other the other team the non able squad like exo squads. They seem well. Like, what's yeah, the Beta Squad. Yeah, Beta Squad. <laughs> beta Squad. Sorry, guys, uh, you're not as good. Cuck Squad. <laughs> that wasn't clear. <laughs> there's yeah. There's there's Neckbeard Squad. Just <laughs> all right. All the names uh, with Marsh. Uh, goes. You're in Beta Squad. <laughs> yeah, Beta Squad. We need some help, milady. <laughs> what? <laughs> Are you all the indoor kids on Delta Squad? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, but that's 
one of the cool things that's coming up in uh, season two is that you actually get to meet like the you know what are the, the exo troopers yeah the, the jump troops you know like the marines yeah, yeah the jump troops and uh but i think there's other squads too yeah right? the, they introduced i think actually might be beta squad um or like delta squad or something like that bravo uh and you get you get to meet more of the pirates and side characters disabled squad oh my god <laughs> get you get a lot more background characters in season in season two like you meet more you get a lot more meat on them bones <laughs> sorry i miss captain marcus he's the best man i guarantee um that's not even no r.i.p sandusky yeah there's a, there's a couple more things that i noticed marsala winks at nara yeah after giving his speech, which is pretty cool. <laughs> the greatest wink of all time. Because you think it's going to be a commercial break. And then he winks and it's not. You know, he, he uh, just wrecks shit. JT's confused by Marsala and he says, Explain yourself, mister. <laughs> Explain yourself, mister. Why are you turning traitor now? And uh, Marsala kidnaps him and says, Consider this my resignation. <laughs> which I like. I like that, that they do the cheesy lines it's, it makes me happy no you know marsala has been learning he's learned how to bluff and more importantly than anything he's learned one-liners which is like the most important thing for a battle yeah yeah oh and he says he says they're the, the only neo-sapien weakness is their uh limited numbers so this whole time i was wondering about what their weakness was yeah and and that's what it was and uh, uh, you know, their inability to use contractions. Yeah, because because uh because because mars because phaeton is like oh you figured out my plan the breed of billion Neo Sapiens. Um, I, yeah. I I also want to shout out the Neo Sapien guns because they have like a three fingered grip for like the Neo Sapien hand, and it looks really cool when they hold them. Yeah, like, especially because it's like it's built for two thumbs, you know. Yeah, which is funny because then the nerd alert here, okay? Once Marsala kind of like busts the guys out. They just pick up, like, the Neo guns like nothing. But let's say the average Neo Sapien's, like, seven, eight feet tall, right? And they have these giant, weirdly shaped hands, okay? They just pick up those guns like nothing. And they seem appropriately sized to them. Wouldn't those guns, like, be freaking huge? I mean, I know we just talked about not being able to enjoy things for getting to the technical details, but I don't know. I could, would have kind of liked to see them, like, hold them a little, like, like rifles like a little or some more, shit. Like, a little, a little more, like, like awkward. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I could see that. One thing I think they do a really good job of is, like, a lot of the Neo-Sapien stuff looks, like, amphibious. Like, mm. those guns and stuff don't have that, like, linear... Like, things aren't linear the way they are. Like, the exo the exofleet, right? Like, everything's, like, a straight line. Like, a lot of Neo-things are built vertically, and they're built stacked on top of each other. And the rifle is, too, right? Like, it's all the barrels are, like, stacked on... Like, it's, like compacted almost so it's definitely it's definitely got a cool design to it and, and yeah it would be cool to see them use it it'd just be like a good obstacle for them to have to like overcome yeah yeah to use the gun strangely yeah. so this this episode also has one of my favorite like uh cartoon tropes which is people make weapons that don't knock someone out and don't kill someone they just hurt a little bit like <laughs> like when they shoot wolf he's like yeah that really sucked but i'm still awake whatever like <laughs> <laughs> there's part of me that got a real uh Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade vibe there. You know what I mean? Like, JT's kind of having his trial. They just shot Wolf Bronski. Yeah. I wanted Marcel to go get, like, the you know, the uh, the Holy Grail and pour it on Wolf's gut. Yeah, dude. And be like, Sarge, you know, I'm hungry. <laughs> That's the thing with laser guns, is that the, you don't know really what they do. Right. Yeah, no, the uh, the rules of the, the guns are wildly inconsistent, because sometimes, I mean, we've seen it before in firefights, like, someone will get shot and, like, fucking straight up die. And then you fire the same gun at an E-frame, it'll blow up the E-frame, but they'll shoot someone else, and the guy will be totally fine, like Wolf. Yeah. 
you know, I like to think that Wolf Slayers of Fat actually kind of, you know, helped him in that case. Yeah, that's yeah, that's, that's definitely what it was. I I also like oh yeah, if you if you shoot an E frame in the leg, it's dead. It's absolutely dead. Like it's <laughs> definitely going down. Like not surviving. Uh, there's also like a little thing I just want to say real quick. Um, the amount of times, especially because we've seen it more here than in the space battles, where you, know, you like you think of GI Joe, you think of uh, a lot of the c- different cartoons out there. You know, you see, or even this one, you see like a Neo E frame in space. You know, it's just like a frame. It's sealed up. Here you see, you can definitely see the arms of the guys inside it, you know, like operating the controls. And then when they like blow up the torso, you're like, that dude just got fucking like wrecked. It really reinforces that there's a person inside that thing. Yeah, no, absolutely. Like they do, they do a really good job of like, of driving that home too. Yeah. I mean, I think we've covered the episode pretty well, but I just want to ask you guys, was there anything awesome that happened to you guys this weekend or this week not to date this thing too specifically uh uh just roll with it why yes chris there certainly was (laughs) i was the most southern gentlemanly i've ever said (laughs) with a mint julep we started listening to s-town which is pretty fun we're four yeah but without talking about that i think it's the uh ability of and there's a really cool containers podcast. I started listening to. I'm such a nerd. Um, <laughs> it's the ability of a podcast to do long form radio documentaries. I think is very cool. I think that's awesome. No, for real. And I think I know the one you're talking about, the container one. But we'll talk about yeah. that. We'll talk about that soon. Um, that's awesome. How about you, Ryan? Uh, what happened? Oh, I sold a bunch of stuff at work. That was pretty cool. Um, I had like a really good work day. And uh, I watched season two of The Expanse, which I really recommend and is very yes. excellent. And uh, oh man, I, I gotta I gotta catch up on that. It reminds me a lot of Exo Squad. Like it has a lot of the similar like tropes, like haves and have-nots, and like what's justified and what isn't. Um, and it's it's really sweet. And Thomas Jane kicks oh yeah so much ass. Uh, he, he's a freaking. I'm actually really yeah. glad that show's finally caught on because I remember the the first season. I got into it late, and I was like, "What is this show?" And no one, like, it just wasn't around. And the second season, it finally, like, I think hit its stride. And it's so fucking good. But, yeah, like, the hard sci-fi thing. Like, they have a NASA scientist as, like, advisors on it. One of the one of the really cool things they talk about is, like, the engines. They fire all the way till you're halfway to your destination. And then they spend the rest of the time decelerating. Because you can't just, like, stop in a spaceship. <laughs> that was really cool. That is so awesome. It's really dope. Um, yeah, so it's... Uh, First season is on Amazon Prime, uh, and I think it's on Hulu and Sci-Fi. So Sick. highly recommended. My awesome thing, yeah, is I guess I'm the sports guy now. So basically, I'm, I'm a Mets fan. Uh, Noah Syndergaard stole the Phillies fanatics ATV in the pregame and just like was tooling around on it during <laughs> during the warm-up. Oh yeah, I saw pictures it's of that. So that was awesome. awesome. Um, just like one of those great things. Just check that out. It'll put a smile on your face. You know, you look like uh, Wolf Bronski when he sees a. Uh, freshly opened container of rations or a bottle yeah. of whiskey um do you guys <laughs> rationed whiskey <laughs> and finally with our the rest of our housekeeping before we get to the mmm mvps do we got any ads for this episode guys um yeah yeah we do we <laughs> everybody out there i know you're listening go to etsy two loopy ladies crochet hats crocheted scarves a few surprises I'm not gonna fight you but you're a damn fool if you don't buy something. I'll fucking fight you. Go buy something. Jesus Christ. You want us to stop this. 
and we need you to buy something or else we won't stop. You can get a, a stuffed owl animal crocheted thing. I said that's super weird, but it's super cute. Go there, check it out. Trust us. Yeah, don't be dumb. Let's do it. Yeah. Yeah. Don't. Yeah. Don't be dick. Um. <laughs> and uh, well, our good friend Josh Gee he has a snack cart. Uh, you can find the link to that on our website, or it's bit.ly slash snack cart. And uh, our good friend Heather has her uh, her cookies, which are amazing. Yeah, excellent. Uh, we also want to shout out uh, Rebel Base Outpost. It's a uh, comic and collectible stop. Uh, you can get it at ebay.com slash USR slash Rebel Base Outpost. Hells yeah. Exo Squad will be back in a moment. Hey, everybody. It's Chris here. Just want to jump in and say thanks again for listening. Uh, we're trying a couple of new things with the show as we're going along, getting a little sillier and you know, trying new segments. Let us know what you think of them. If you really hate stuff, if you love stuff, let us know because, you know, it's a work in progress and we love to hear from you. You can always find us on Twitter at ExosquadGoals or email us at ExosquadGoals at gmail.com. Uh, also, feel free to use the hashtag ExosquadGoals on Twitter and we'll always reach out and respond. Ryan's killer at that. And most importantly, if you know someone who would like to show, share it with them. You know, we don't advertise, we don't do anything like that. It's all word of mouth. So if you think there's someone who would like to show, share it with them. And definitely if you can, head on over to our iTunes page or our Stitcher page or Google Play and uh, leave us a review, either a star review or write us, a, write us up a little something. And you can be totally honest. I mean, you know, we make fun of it, we joke, but, you know, let us know how we're doing. But yeah, so, so you know, share, subscribe, like, review. And with that, back to the show. Now back to Exo Squad. So guys, now that we've uh, we just cruised through that like a bunch of MVPs. MVPs. I'm just going to put a sting in there over that. It doesn't matter. You should be your own zoo crew. <laughs> you really should do your own drive time morning show. What you got up there? We got traffic on the five. <laughs> Dude, this, this is because I work in sound. I'm used to making weird ass. It's like, what are you guys going to do? It's going to be like, you know, like all this bullshit. Um, anyway, what are you, who are you guys MVPs for this episode? Uh, definitely Sandusky. Und- undeniably said, does he? He does take a couple of Neo E-frames with him. I'm going to go with uh, the the lady at the beginning, unnamed. She's, she grappling hooks a missile, redirects it, blows up some E-frames, creates enough space for Weston to save Winfield. Uh, yeah, no, that, she is totally badass. I'm going to say, uh, I'm going to say Marsala, because... Marsala? I mean, talking about his... Yeah. Masala, masala. Uh, no, but going off of his heel turn from the last episode, I mean, he, they push it through. Because, I mean, again, like, I remember watching this as a kid, and when he did that wink, I remember that when I was a kid, just, like, freaking out over that, being like, oh, shit, he worked us. You know, I thought I was a smart, but I got worked. Psych. Um, no, it, it's just a great turn. But there's a, a glimmer of truth behind it. You know, like, he's coming from a real place of pain, and I think that's what makes it work for me. Um, so I'm def- definitely going to say Marsala. But anyway, guys, you know, any uh, closing thoughts? One more until the end of the season. Yeah, we're, uh, we're, we're closing in. Yeah. Yeah, crazy. Um, we come out with a new episode every Saturday. Uh, the next episode is going to be episode 13, Defying Olympus. Uh, just, it's an amazing... I remember this one from when I was a kid, just like crystal clear it's so good this episode is so awesome it's amazing 
But so we come out with a new episode every Saturday. You can find us on Twitter at Exosquad Goals. Use the hashtag Exosquad Goals to reach out to us. Let us know what you think about the podcast, about the show, or if there's anything you want us to get into. Our intro and outro music is done by Eric Calderon. You can find him on YouTube. His stuff is amazing. He shreds guitar stuff. Super good. Email us at exosquadgoals at gmail.com. And yeah, guys, you know, for Exosquad Goals, I'm Chris Mastalone. I'm Ryan Hardy. And I'm Chris Farentino. Any ears in this company? No, no sir. sir. That was the best one yet, I think. Yeah, we're getting better. It just might be the latency, though. But yeah. anyway, we'll see you guys next Saturday. See you guys. Bye. Bye. Bye, Bye everybody. Bye. Bye. Happy Thanks. Saturday. Thanks for coming. Bye. And we are all three recording right now <laughs> on WKLZ, the Kill Zone. Kill Zone! Or Calzone, if it's in Italy. Calzone Radio, coming to you live from Italy. Calzone! <laughs>